Does an orthopedic condition or sports injury have you sidelined? Make your comeback with GW Hospital Sports Medicine. We offer services from neck to toe, including care for shoulders, hips, knees, ankles, and hands. Plus, we're the official healthcare partner of GW Athletics, the DC Furies, and the DC Revolution. Get back to doing the things you love. Learn more at gwhospital.com slash sportsmed or call 888-4-GW-DOCS. Physicians are not employees or agents of this hospital. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your hosts from SteelersDepot.com where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora. Always lit. Talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 107. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here on this Wednesday morning. Steelers Nation, we are recording this, Dave and I, though, on Tuesday night because I won't be available in the morning and so decided to do this now. So as always, if any news breaks over the next, uh, we'll say, 12 or 24 hours, that's uh, a reason why we did not get to it. Dave, good to be back with you. Got a uh, still a lot to talk about. Yeah, happy uh, almost Wednesday and uh, almost end of the pro day cycle here. Uh, the league meetings getting about wrapped up. Uh, I think by tomorrow, uh, I would imagine that Mike Tomlin will be back out on the pro day trail to close out this week. It'll be interesting. I think you got a Florida pro day coming up and. Has the Tennessee Pro Day happened yet? I don't think I don't think the Tennessee no. Pro Day. Uh, going to be interesting to see how many more of these schools him and Omar Khan hit uh, before this thing ends. I guess technically it rolls into next week a little bit there, but I think for the most part, uh, the bigger schools will be all out of the way by by Friday. But uh, yeah, still a lot to lot going on, especially with the league meetings and learned a few more pre draft visitors and a little bit more interest here and. Where did we start? Yeah, I, I, with the pro days, I know that next month there are going to be some of those private workouts. You know, Devon Witherspoon from Illinois is going to work out sometime, I think, in early April. And it's always hard to tell who attends those, but that's going to be something to, to, to worth uh, be worth watching as well. But we'll start here with Omar Khan, who, like Mike Tomlin in Arizona for the league meeting, speaking to the media in a couple different uh, events and avenues, a 1v1 with Max Starks for Steelers.com, had some sort of scrum earlier today. Uh, Omar's done a really good job as Steelers GM to not say a whole lot, although one thing he did say, and it's kind of the biggest thing that I've taken away from uh, the interviews he's done so far, is he did confirm the Steelers uh, made an offer to strong safety Terrell Edmonds and Edmonds essentially turned it down to go to Philadelphia on that one year deal we talked about for Monday show. So just to kind of put a bow on that situation, probably to reinforce some of the ideas you've had about how this whole situation went down. Pittsburgh did make Edmonds an offer. The pit pro day is Wednesday. So surely uh, they'll get back for that, right? <laughs> you would hope, you would hope you would think so. Yeah. I just I just, just was scrolling through, uh, I think, the LSU Pro Day. Uh, Ole Miss and LSU and Ar Arkansas are all on, on Wednesday as well, too. Yeah, look, uh, 
you know, that uh, that clears up a little bit of it. We said, you know, we didn't know whether or not we'd ever find out if they made an offer to to Terrell Edmonds and what, you know, specifically what that offer is. I guarantee we won't know for sure that uh, Omar's not going to uh, reveal that kind of stuff there. But uh, uh, him coming out and saying point blank, they made an offer to him. Look, I mean, I, we, I've said this several times over the course of the last couple of days. I had that long post the other day, uh, the other day about it. I, I really believe that they offered him, you know, just another one of those four-year qualifying contract deals. Uh, either that, or they offered him a veteran, uh, a veteran benefit uh, deal, which I guess would technically be even cheaper uh, than you know, then, uh, then the four-year qualifying contract, and if they offered him uh, a flat out veteran benefit deal, no, he, he easily let, laughed that one off. Uh, that's why I really, really think that, uh, uh, this was a four-year qualifying contract. And, you know, once again, I, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the next day, uh, Zach Gentry agreed to a deal and I won't be, we still don't know that number. And technically I don't think that one's even been announced by the team or, or come across the NFL. Uh, official sheet either. Maybe the, maybe a couple of those guys like him and Casey, they're waiting to get back in town to, mm-hmm. uh, to give them the physical and all like that. So we might not even get the contract numbers on Gentry until, you know, until he finally does make it back to Pittsburgh. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see here. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it's back to the old argument again. I know people are tired of talking about, about it, but I mean, I, I, did they insult him? With this deal, possibly, uh, especially with, with with Casey getting two for uh, two years, uh, six million dollars there. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna lay this out uh, one last time here. I think he made a mistake by not accepting that deal. I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be upfront on it because I, I think he stood the chance to at least uh, put him in a position to probably make the roster. Uh, out of training camp and potentially see how long he could keep himself on the field, depending on who ends up coming, coming in behind him. Because uh, I think at this point, even, even if they would have re-signed him, uh, I think we both agree. They're still probably going to address the safety position uh, in, in, in the draft. Uh, And now that they have not re-signed him, I think there's a good chance that they, they sign, Another veteran on the cheap here, and still address the the uh, the uh, uh, safety position in a draft. Uh, at least he knows it's the devil that he knows and the devil they know back mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh here. He's he's going over to a situation in Philadelphia where it's all smells good and roses and uh, all the attention right now. New kid on the block and all like that. But let me tell you, at a two million dollar base salary with just even six hundred thousand dollars guaranteed. Uh, for him, he's not really guaranteed anything over there. And and it'd be interesting to see how the rest of their offseason plays out. They could just as easily pull the plug on him uh, four games into the 2023 season, you know, just like Pittsburgh could. So, yes, he does have the uh, opportunity. You would assume has the opportunity to make more in Philadelphia in 2023 than he would have made uh, potentially made in, in, in Pittsburgh in 2023. But, uh, and, and I know people are saying, well, why, why didn't Steelers offer more? We, we went over that the other day. I, I just the way they do business is probably the deal they had for him that best fit him. They, what they're willing to pay. He didn't take it. They moved on. But 
uh, after thinking about this, I I think he may have made a mistake by not taking the Steelers deal. Assuming yeah. it, assuming it was the four the four year qualifying one, you know, uh, for two point five or six or whatever it was. Sure, it's a fair argument, and I tend to agree. I think Edmonds had a good thing going in Pittsburgh. They knew him. He knew them. He had a role, pretty defined, um, and everything was was pretty much status quo. So there's an inherent risk when you go to a new team, new system, new scheme, and never quite sure how that's going to turn out, how that's going to look. So I'm with you there. Time will tell. But um, I think for me, all I can really just close the book on is the knowledge that, that this team made an offer, made an attempt to re-sign him, and you know, he wanted to move on, and that's his prerogative. And I understand it might have gotten a bit stale in Pittsburgh. Wasn't going to play with the Steelers forever. Time to go on. Going to play for a Super Bowl contender. I get the allure of all that a bit closer to home. So, again, time will tell if it was the right move. All right. I'm sure people are tired of us talking about <laughs> Terrell Edmonds now. So, All right. What else Omar Khan have to say? Frankly, it's not been a lot, um, at least notable. Again, Omar does a good job trying to keep things uh, on the quieter side. But what else has caught your attention from Khan? You know, he told Max Stark, Starks that uh, ongoing conversations, and that that's not, you know, out of the ordinary, you know, saying basically free agency's not over. And I guess he sort of alluded to the fact that, you know, other teams, there might be other cuts, uh, you know, uh, uh, of players here, especially right after the draft. You'll see a handful of players around the league cut and all like that. So uh, I think they're still looking. I, I think they're still looking for potentially a veteran safety on the cheap that uh, maybe would take a contract similar to what Edmonds turned down. Somebody that could help kind of fill a hole. Uh, maybe they don't get a draft, you know, uh, uh, a guy they have target or something like that. Uh, obviously, outside linebacker, we're going to continue to watch that situation. Jerry Dulac uh, reported on 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 Tuesday afternoon that they're they're supposedly going to bring Bud Dupree in, I guess, in the coming weeks. So I guess that hasn't happened yet. Uh, judging by the context of what he reported, that it probably will happen. Uh, and Jerry writes that it's not guaranteed or, or you know a done deal or anything along those lines. Ray Filippato, Paulo, I know was asked in his chat. He says he thinks it's a better than fifty percent chance of Bud Dupree reunion. I mean, probably probably just educated speculation on his part. I would assume there. But uh, and then look, they you know they 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 supposedly brought in brought in another tackle with uh, somewhat I guess linked back to Pittsburgh, right? Uh, uh, for for a visit, uh, I don't think they're done there. I think they, they, there's a chance you could see another tackle on the cheap, off the scrap pile, if you will, before the draft takes place. But uh, other than that, I mean, an edge rusher, a safety, maybe another tackle. I really don't see him doing too much outside of that. And that was Josh Miles, the offensive tackle brought in for a workout sometime over the last 72 hours. Um, big, long tackle from Morgan State, seventh-round pick of the Cardinals. Has only 23 career offensive snaps. There's a connection there with Isaac Williams, Pittsburgh's assistant offensive line coach. He coached uh, Miles at Morgan State. And so I think that's probably one reason they got Miles in for the workout. No signing yet. Uh, don't know if one's coming in the coming days or not, but we'll keep you guys posted there. Yeah, I think those are basically the moves of safety, um, and that pulls pretty thin right now. An edge rusher and basically probably Bud Dupree or not, I imagine that visit, that decision will get made before the draft, and so this team knows what its room looks like prior to April 27th. 
Um, so a bit a bit less than a month ago on, on on that visit and decision happening. But yeah, I'm with you. That's probably the moves that are left on the board for the Steelers. Let's see. He said they were uh, evidently targeting uh, and potentially maybe an either or situation with Cole Holcomb uh, and Elandon Roberts. They end up landed both landing both of them. So you know, kudos there. Uh, if indeed that, that was the case, you know, go, I mean, obviously you don't know what, what you're going to land, but, uh, they obviously had both those guys circled and, and went after and ended up land, landing both of them. So, uh, there's that, uh, what else, uh, what else did he have to say that, you know, there, we haven't seen the full context really of the quote yet, uh, that circled, uh, started circulating, uh, Tuesday night about, you know, maybe potentially some sort of interest in a slot uh, wide receiver. Uh, I, I would, I would guess that would be more geared towards the draft, but once again, I haven't heard, you know, look, he, he's not, he's not going to come right out and say, I don't think that we're going to draft a slot wide receiver. You know, it's probably more in the context of him trying to say as little as possible, probably asked about the specific position and as he has all off season say, we're not going to be afraid to upgrade any position you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, within that. So, you know, but, but I will say this, it does make sense that <laughs> they might address the wide, re- a slot wide receiver position in the draft. And I've thought that all off season, I know people, listeners and, and people on Twitter have gotten on me. So, well, they've got Calvin Austin the third and all like that. Yeah. They've got Calvin Austin the third. It'd be great to have him back and see what he can do. But, you know, you still got sort of, you know, for the most part, and if come with it when it when it comes to him, and he is a little bit on the smaller side. So you can most definitely, especially with this team not getting Steven Sims back, you know, this offseason, uh, there is, and we'll see what happens with Miles Boykin, who's more of an outside guy anyway. Uh, it would make sense to, and yeah, what, it's only four times since 2000 that this team hasn't drafted a wide receiver, at least one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes all the sense in the world to me that they're going to draft a wide receiver this year at some point. And I would like to think that 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 receiver would be more geared to have an experience playing in the slot, maybe a little bit bigger uh, kind of guy, too. Yeah, certainly if you look at just the three main positions, X, Z, and slot, whatever you want to call it. I think Pittsburgh used to call it F. I believe they call it something different now. But of those baseline three, what is lacking the most, it's going to be the slot position where, you know, following the Chase Claypool trade, you're left with, you know, not a lot of known commodities. Calvin Austin never taken an NFL snap in a preseason or regular season game. Anthony Miller has not been productive in a couple of years. Uh, Steven Sims goes back home to Houston. You know, Gunnar Olszewski, who really isn't the receiver, was brought in as a return man, lost his job last year. Just not a lot of known there. I think wide receiver depth in general is pretty questionable, whether you're talking backup spots to Deontay Johnson or George Pickens. So you would think in some way, form or fashion, they're going to bring in a receiver and targeting a slot guy um, makes a lot of sense. The question to me is, what type of slot guy is that going to be? Will it be the Juju Claypool, quote unquote, big slot? Or will it be the Sims, Olszewski, Calvin Austin of more receiver run game, gadgety, space type player? 
I think you want somebody that uh, a little bit bigger uh, than, than than Calvin Austin, at least, and somebody that can uh, uh, deliver you some yak, uh, potentially, uh, you know, be able to play whatever on on special teams, at least give you one or two uh, team team unit ability type guys in that as well, too. So, uh, I mean. I, I don't think that, you know, I don't think they penciled in that this has got to be a 210 pound guy, you know, but uh, I, I do think that they would probably want somebody a little bit bigger than, uh, uh, than, than, than Calvin Austin, the third. Well, I think the question is what type of receiver fits best in the construct of the offense? What is that build? If you could, if you had your ideal version of the slot receiver that fits your offense in terms of the way this thing is run, who is that guy? I don't know about five ten, one hundred ninety five pounds. Okay, <laughs> five, I think it's kind five, of five eleven. You know, maybe even six, right around in there. Uh, just somebody with a little bit more mass on. I, I look. I think they didn't get anything out of their slot position. In fact, last year, and we've talked about this before. They, I think, they finished like second to the last in in the league in slot receptions uh, last year. Obviously, went through you know a couple players in that. And after Chase Claypool left, it ended up being Steven Sims uh, kind of guy. Uh, I, uh, I, I just think that you need somebody that can give you that, that can, that can work more in the middle of the field when, when you do run, you know, 11 personnel like that. I think you need a guy that can a little bit more physical after the catch. Cause this, this, you know, what was the other thing that we complained about a lot last season? I was yards after the catch, uh, there. So, you know, what, it, what is the perfect animal? I mean, look, I mean, they, it sounds like they're uh, Ming, uh, Mingo, right? Uh, they got Mingo scheduled for a visit. It seems like they paid attention to the uh, uh, NC State kid. What was his name? Uh, Tyler something. I can yeah. pull it up here in a second. No, uh, he's, he's no, more, Thayer Thomas, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, Thayer, Thayer Thomas. Uh, Thayer Thomas, uh, he he he's done a lot of work in the slot. Now he's also more. He didn't even get a combine. He was, you know, some people he wasn't the biggest combine snub overall, but uh, uh, some people did did view him as a combine snub. And you know, he's played a lot in the slot and has had production there. And supposedly he tested real real well uh, at the pro day. But I would view him more as a you know sixth seventh undrafted. Uh, uh, type of player there. Now, I think Mingo's kind of middle, middle of, of, of the road kind of player. Uh, Parker Washington, right out of Penn State, mm-hmm. uh, could be kind of a, uh, a, a, a mid round target. I mean, uh, uh, I, it, they might have taken him earlier, but, uh, Josh Downs out of, uh, North Carolina, probably more of a, what, a second or third round, uh, talent. So I, I just think they, they need, they need insurance of a little bit bigger body to go along with Calvin Austin the third, I think. Yeah, I, I've mentioned before, I've been kind of mixed on the type of guy because there's pros and cons to both. And the, the concern with kind of getting that smaller, sh- shiftier Austin Sims type is it feels a bit redundant to what you have in, you know, well, hopefully what Calvin Austin can be and can contribute and to a lesser extent uh, what Gunnar Olszewski offers. But I just think about how that slot position was used last year as kind of my way of looking into it. And it was a small guy role. It was all that orbit motion, uh, jet sweeps, receiver run game, a short, you know, three-step pass game, uh, bubble screens, a little bit of RPOs that may be increased in 2023. And I feel like that's the kind of guy that fits in the Matt Canada offense. Um, 
but the guys they've looked at are on, on, on the bigger side in Jonathan Mingo, who's not a small guy, and Thomas is a bit bigger guy as well. I think a guy like Jaden Reed from Michigan State, who Tyler Wise has mentioned, is a perfect fit because he has that kind of blend between having some size, but also somebody that makes plays in space and a good blocker and I think can work in the run game. So, you know, how well do you walk that line? I'll be really curious to see, but I just think conceptually with the way this offense was at least last year, and it could be different in 2023, but I think it worked best with that small guy type of role. Okay. Will they take a wide receiver? Yeah, I think they do. Where and who, I really you know, couldn't tell you, um, but I do think they're going to add somebody because even even if you if you were the biggest Calvin Austin fan in the world and it's him and Johnson and Pickens, what do you have behind those guys? And you better be four deep. It's like corny. You better be four deep because someone's going to get banged up. Someone's going to get hurt. You're going to have to rely on your plan B at some point. So depth here really is pretty poor. Right. And kind of that's what I've been alluding to, I think, for most of the offseason here. And it's no disrespect to Calvin Austin III. More than anything, it's disrespect to the guys behind him there and even if you would have re-signed Steven Sims uh on, on a on a uh, you know 1.3 million dollar deal and with no guarantees uh I would have still viewed him at risk you know I I don't think they they ideally I would like to see them get Miles Boykin re-signed on the cheap draft another guy uh you know to to help uh, a little bit bigger guy to play in the slot and then it be uh, obviously, uh, Deontay, uh, George Pickens, Calvin Austin, the third miles Boykin, and then the new draft pick. Right. I think that's a good way to look at it. But again, in terms of who that new guy could be, cause the names you rattle off, they're all kind of different body types and roles and styles. Mingo versus Washington versus downs versus Thomas. They're all shapes and sizes. Sure. So it's and just did, hard and, to know what they want. And didn't to some degree, you know, I, you know, pieces and parts of this quote that we're seeing on uh, from Omar saying we have to decide what that looks like. Right. Something to the effect of that guy has to fit your offense. And so that goes back to the question of, OK, how is this? How does this, uh, how does a slot receiver work and exist in a Matt Canada run offense? Right. And how, so, how do we answer that? I, I just I mean, go off I, how they I, used last year. OK, well, I mean, uh, they have to have that answer by now what they're looking for, I would hope. Sure, and we're trying to read the tea yeah. leaves, but the the guys they've shown interest in have kind of sure. been the whole gamut of the slot receiver type, small to big types. Mm-hmm. Okay. So something to watch for sure. I think they'll take one. Who and how he fits is going to be, I think, to me, the more interesting question. All right. I mean, I would like to see somebody a little bit, you know, a, a, yeah. a, a more traditional big slot would not hurt my feelings. You know, someone, you know, kind of that, that, that juju size to him, you know? Do you think they look at it, though, and say Pat Frymuth is basically our big slot receiver? Like, he's our new Juju? I mean, they could. I mean, like he he's going to play a big part in this offense regardless, right? Even, you know, especially on third down, you would hope. Uh, I mean, I, I guess to some degree uh, he would. But, I mean, once again, I think it goes back just to the depth chart in general. Yeah, again, they need to add. But, again what that type is because when Juju was maybe, like maybe they're heyday, maybe they're open to just adding the you know maybe they're just the best wide receiver that that maybe has position flexibility to them too you yeah, know that's true I mean you don't want to you don't want to get so lost in the type that you just lose sure. focus on the talent and the overall profile and how we can help your team win so yeah it, it's a fair point and having two big slot guys I mean in Frymuth and a slot receiver there's value in that as well. So all of my long-winded answers are just to say this thing could go in different ways, and I'm very curious to see 
what type of receiver they bring in. I, I'll leave it at this. I at, at at definitely at this point now, and I have I have felt this for a while. I think they're drafting a wide receiver. And okay. and and shock, shocker, uh, they it, they haven't drafted a wide receiver uh, four times since to, since two thousand. So it's not like really going out on a limb there. Yeah. Speaking of Jonathan Mingo, speaking, I, I think it could happen anywhere from the second to the seventh round. You know? <laughs> it's, a, it's a painting with a broad brush, here, right. but it's hard to tell. It, it it is really hard to tell, and I don't really hard to tell. I really don't have a, any better answers than than you do right now. But speaking of Jonathan Mingo. Uh, today was a good day for the pre-draft visit tracker. Got a lot of names coming in here. Now know 10 of the uh, possible and allotted 30 pre-draft visit slots. And so Jonathan Mingo being one of them, the first receiver reported again. Just to be clear, there could be you know many others out there that have not been reported. I know that Omar Khan made a reference to having a couple guys come in to visit this past week. None of those got reported out. Mingo, according to Jerry Dulac, was one of them. So he, he's already visited with the team. So it was him, and then two cornerbacks were uh, announced to have upcoming visits, and that is cornerback Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State, kind of a late round one, uh, early day two guy, and Tyreek Stevenson from, from uh, Miami, Florida, who's kind of viewed as a more, we'll call it mid to maybe later day two guy. So Mingo, Forbes, and Stevenson, add them to the list. Yeah, and Forbes, it uh, sounds like he put a little bit of weight on uh, since uh, since the combine, so that's a good sign uh, uh, for 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 him. Um, Ike Taylor was down at the Miami Pro Day and put uh, Tyreek Stevenson through uh, at least some portion of his drills. Uh, there there there's there's video of, of that and all. So uh, it looks like there. I I, I kind of view this maybe potentially is, is bringing, because look, every guy that they bring in, they don't draft, right. You know, sure. and they usually bring in multiple at a position. It's just kind of doing your homework. If you get, you know, maybe, maybe they've got a guy targeted early first, second round. And in case they don't get that one or two of those guys, they have guys in the back end that, 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 that they can look at. Right. But we do know they're going to draft a couple of these names, assuming we get enough of a list mm-hmm. of 15, 18 names. And so even from this list of 10, you can probably put good money that somebody will become a Pittsburgh Steeler from this list. Now, who that guy is going to be, that's a great question to to try to answer. But yeah, Forbes weighed in at 170. The question with him, he was 166 at the Combine, basically the lightest defensive player to ever weigh in at the Combine, or at least in you know recent kind of modern Combine history. But he's got length, he's got the overall height, pedigree, and ball skills. 14 career interceptions, six picks last year. Um, durability, as he said at the, at the combine, not a concern. He was always healthy and available. You just wonder a buck seventy on the outside. Does that last? Can you sustain and hang with the 210-pound wide receivers that you see on a near weekly basis? And so that's the the big concern with Emmanuel Forbes. It would certainly be a change from the what what the Steelers from the Alex Cazora what they look for uh, category mm-hmm. on cornerbacks, right? Yeah, a big change there, but it also kind of fits because they want guys who attack the football. They're not going with the old classic Dick LeBeau cover three tackle the catch corners. They want guys who make plays who are good in man coverage, who have length and uh, ball skills, and are aggressive on the football. And Forbes is certainly one of those guys. I guess the big question uh, really at the top of the cornerback class now is how exactly do they get slotted, uh, you know, especially when you get to guys maybe like uh, Joey Porter and uh, I guess even Deontay Banks, right? 
Yeah, I would say Christian Gonzalez is the odds-on favorite to be the first corner taken. From there, it kind of becomes a bit more pick your flavor. But you'll have Devon, excuse me, Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, uh, Joey Porter Jr. Penn State, Deontay Banks Maryland, Julius Brents Kansas State, Emmanuel Forbes, uh, et cetera, et cetera, Keely Ringo from Georgia. So uh, it's again a really deep cornerback class, and it kind of is going to get jumbled up in in the sense of where these guys go. If uh, if 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 uh... If Joey Porter's on on the board there at 17, can you see them passing him? Yeah, I can see that. I don't want to write it in pen and say he's 100% going to be their guy, but obviously he'll be as strongly in contention as any name that you can suggest because of the bloodlines and the length. And now he doesn't have the the big interception numbers. Right. You could maybe try to talk about why that is. Was he targeted that much, you know, et cetera. But uh, obviously he's a name that's going to be high on, right. on that list of likely picks. Right. But uh, they've 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 got them lined up. I mean, we know they're going to draft that position, and and some people will even say, "Why not too? You know, if you yeah, there's one an outside play in, a, play in the slot. You know, they need a slot guy just as bad as they need an outside guy. At least you got Patrick Peterson on the outside. I mean, who is your starting? If, if the season began today, who is your starting slot? Unfortunately, it's Millet. Yeah, and you don't want to see him on third and seven. First and ten, okay, fine. Third and seven, no, thank you. The other corner, Tyreek Stevenson, as you mentioned, had his pro day workout uh, earlier this week. I Taylor down there to put him through at least, you know, partially some of that uh, workout. I just actually spent the time the last hour before our podcast watching Stevenson, watching Stevenson, excuse me, going to have a uh, profile on him later this week. And he's a guy that's another press man corner, aggressive, good size overall, physical, willing to tackle, does have a tough time getting off of stock blocks and. Um, needs to be a bit more consistent overall and probably needs some work in his own coverage. But again, kind of profiling the same. Didn't have the, the big interception numbers that Forbes and others have had, but um, a guy that's really you know willing to play the catch point and be a sticky man corner on underneath throws. All right, I look forward to reading that one. All right, so what else do we have here from the pro day? Uh, no Tomlin, no Khan, because uh, they've been in, at the owner meetings, and so we'll see what those things wrapping up after tomorrow, if, if this team gets out anywhere. Um, is, that, is the meeting still going on tomorrow? Is Wednesday the final? I, I think they're putting the wraps on it today because Goodell spoke and all like that, I think. So I, I, I want to say that it's it's wrapping up tonight, okay. but okay. I, I might be wrong. If it, if it wraps up, Tomorrow, I, I can't see it going because they've already done, you know, they voted on the resolutions and all like that. And I think Good- right. Goodell uh, spoke tonight. So that that might be a wrap on this thing. OK, we'll, we'll be able to check for sure tomorrow. Um, and then, as you said, if they get back to Pittsburgh, will they be at that pit day? You would assume so. But we'll just have to to wait and see. So, Dave, you've been on. I think Josh Carney said it well, a heater when it comes to finding these pro day guys. So kind of run us through who you've seen and what stuck out to you. Uh, you don't talk about the streak when you're on a streak, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. It's like a fight club kind of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. But I did do so good today. I, I struggled today uh, in it. But I mean, look, we, uh, you got the you got the uh, the tracker pulled up there. Yeah, I can pull it up here. I'll run through who we've seen. Actually, I've not updated it for today. Somebody in the comments uh, uh, indicated that Pat Meyer was at North Carolina State. Now, I have not found him. Uh, and I would assume mm. you haven't found him either. Uh, but somebody said that they, they're they pretty sure Pat Meyer was at North Carolina State Pro Day, but I have yet right. to find him. I will have to look for that. Uh, I know they have the combine snub Chandler 
Zavala, um, who was kind of one of the biggest snubs that apparently had a good workout today. And so I don't know a ton about him beyond that. But I, I hadn't really looked at, at North Carolina State to see who all was there. We don't have anyone confirmed, I don't believe, uh, in, in attendance. So I'll watch for that. But yeah, I can't confirm right now if Pat Meyer was there or not. All right. What 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 all did uh, we highlight yesterday? Uh, yesterday, Phil Kreidler down south at Southern Miss, Jackson State at North Carolina was Dan Rooney Jr. and Dennis McInnes. Uh, Dan Rooney Jr. also at Duke because those schools are literally, what, 10 minutes apart. Mark Bruner at Boise State, uh, Chris Watts at Baylor. West Virginia was well attended, being local with Casey Weidel, Mike Butler, Anthony Rooney, Rooney and intern Bronson Williams. Really have not seen any positional coaches as yeah, of late. Yeah, that's what I was so. gonna say. Where are all these positional coaches this year? They got yeah, uh, uh Dun Dunbar's got to show up at Florida, right? That's I mean, even <laughs> though there's the link there, you know, uh and all, I mean, I'm gonna be very and, and where has Frisman Jackson been? Yeah, I've not seen him for, once for, this year. For them to have the, the supposed maybe we just spent ten minutes talking about pretty pretty sure they're going to draft a wide receiver at least last year did we we spotted him like three or four places i know it was uh smu uh he worked out pickens at georgia right pickens at georgia uh wasn't he at uh uh uh, the memphis pro day i can check uh it's a good question i i can pull up my tracker i just remember he was at georgia last year at smu because they had what danny gray that, that speedster so let me uh, just see, but yeah, I've not seen Frisman Jackson. Now he could have been somewhere that we missed it, but I like yeah. to think that we would catch that uh, if he was putting a guy through a drill. So I have Frisman last year at Georgia, Clemson, and SMU. Okay, all right. Who was at Memphis last year? Let's see who was at Memphis last year. Rick Reprish, our old buddy, now retired. Okay. Rick Reprish. All right, all right. So yeah, I I, I don't uh, with Dunbar. You would think, I mean, now, A, he's probably gotten a lot of exposure to Javon Dexter, their top defensive lineman, because he put him through combine drills, Dexter reportedly coming in for a pre-draft visit. But I think Dunbar will be there to see him in person. Plus, as you mentioned before, Dunbar's son, Carmichael, works at Florida. He's an assistant strength and conditioning coach there. So I imagine that's a good excuse for Carl to go down there and see his son. Right. But man, where where have the other position coaches been? And maybe that's a change, you know? Oh yeah, what'd you think about Mike Tomlin saying about uh, uh, the comment that that uh, that he had about uh, if you don't like the tape, then you're probably not going to talk to him. Yeah, his answer was something was I, I still might just because I want to try to throw you guys off the trail and because you guys might be tracking me, and that's where we wave our hands and say hello. We are tracking you, <laughs> Coach Tomlin and the yeah. whole staff. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know for the other positional coaches. I mean, some of these Florida schools, you know, well, Grady Brown, when is Maryland? Maryland's Wednesday, right? Tomorrow. That's gotta be coming up Tuesday. too. Yeah. They yeah. got to send at least Grady Brown to that. Cause you have Banks and, and Jacory and Bennett, the other corner as well. They, right. they got to send Grady Brown there at the least. I would think so. And I, I am a bit surprised maybe that we haven't seen or at least spotted more of, of, of Meyer, you know, to this point. And uh, we have seen Curry a couple places, so there is that. Uh, who yeah, else? Would, who else haven't we seen? Well, I would just say in general, I think positional coaches they largely go to about if they if we see them, they're usually two or three schools a year. They don't hit the okay. trail like an area scout going to five different places. So, I mean, I think but, we've seen Meyer already what twice. 
three times. North, it traveling. was uh, Northwestern, right? And Ohio Alabama State. And Ohio State. And Alabama, yeah. Yeah, so that might be, okay. that, that's kind of typical for him. Curry, we've seen at Wisconsin and Tulane. Grady, we've seen at, what, Alabama, Penn State, anywhere else on Grady? I have the tracker in front of me. I don't know why I'm asking these questions. Uh, just uh, Penn State, Alabama. Roberts has been at Penn State in Michigan. So I guess we've actually probably seen maybe a bit more than. Okay. But I, thought, I thought we'd see Carl Dunbar more, though, considering I, the defensive I, line need. And what about uh, 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 James James uh, uh, Daniel? Uh, the. I'm I mean, sorry, uh, uh, not, uh, uh, Alfredo Roberts. Yeah, Alfredo Roberts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I said I said Penn I State, Michigan for him. Yeah, James. I didn't even say like James Daniels, the, the guard or the old tight end coach. But yeah, I mean, Roberts has, yeah, Roberts has been at um, Penn State and Michigan, so that seems to be. Okay. Maybe typical for him, but the guys we haven't seen, I mean, the coaching staff feels so small. Frisman Jackson, Eddie Faulkner, I didn't expect to see him. Mike Sullivan, obviously not a big quarterback. Right. Uh, year we haven't for him, seen so. Canada at all. That is weird because I, I actually researched this the other day just by, for myself. I mean, every year I see Canada at least a couple times. I have not seen the guy once this year. Mm-hmm. Does that mean anything to you? Does that mean like a <laughs> heavy draft? <laughs> It might mean they don't they don't need his opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, no, no quarter. Uh, potentially no quarterback involved. You know, uh, and look, it's it's been hard to spot. You know, like UCLA, who was even there because uh, uh, you've been. I think you you've been thinking that maybe they'd have interest in 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 uh, DTR, right? Yeah, now we know Mark Sadowski was there. I don't know if anyone else was. It was a rainy day. It was not a good environment for that UCLA pro day, all those rains in California. Does that mean anything, though? Because if we haven't seen Frisman and we haven't seen Matt Canada, who I really consider the de facto pass game coordinator, but we've seen a lot of Pat Meyer, it kind of tells you, could this team really maybe not really take the skill guys and just take an offensive lineman? Nah, they'll draft more than they'll they'll be at least three three offensive uh, side players in this draft. I'm willing to bet when the smoke clears. I just like to be able to go back and connect the dots. Actually, I'd like to have those dots all flashing lights uh, beforehand. But uh, uh, especially with some of these position coaches now, because right. in, the pa- in the past they've been sitting there flashing before. Them, uh, you know, kind of you you kind of come up with reasons why why you ignore them. You know. But yeah, uh, yeah. but now some of these position coaches aren't showing up maybe as much as I would like them to show up. But I, I don't think there's too much to read as far as maybe I, I would. I'll say this. I'll, I won't be shocked if it's more defensive players than it is offensive players. Yeah, that's so you got seven picks right now. Right. So you're thinking like four and three, four defense, three offense. That's what I'm thinking now, obviously. Okay. And, you know, Khan come out again today reportedly and said that. You know, he's not opposed to trading and all like that. But, I mean, don't we get some some version of that every year uh, out of out of out of Kevin Colbert to this point, saying, "Oh, we're willing to trade up, trade down, and and all like that"? Or do you firmly believe that this might be the year we actually see, you know, uh, some wheeling and dealing going on in here? I mean, it would not hurt my feelings at all for this team, you know, maybe to potentially trade back from even seventeen to pick up, you know, a couple more you know, uh, picks within there, within there, and then, then even shuffle a couple of those around as the mm-hmm. draft goes on. So, uh, I don't know, but, but the fanboy parts, part of me kind of would like to see a couple of deals done. I, I think just out of, 
from the conviction standpoint, you know? Yeah, I think I've said before, I think Con Weidel will end up, you know, if you look at a five-year timeline, be more aggressive, make more trades, especially in round one. Will that happen this year? You know, who's to say? Depends on the offers, the board, you know, et cetera. Um, but I think they, they will make some moves. I don't think, again, I my one shot I'll call is they're not going to have that lull between the fourth and seventh rounds. Right. Where they're they're going to have a, a fifth or a sixth round pick this year. How they acquire that? Who knows, but they're going to have a fifth or a sixth round pick this year. Yeah, and look, what about the situation once again? If you get to the point where, you know, the top three tackles are off the board and the top three corners are off the board in this thing at 17. I mean, who who ideally, and uh, you know, uh, and let's assume Joey Porter's one of those corners off the board. And when you say top three tackles, you're saying Jones, Johnson, and Skaronsky? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, what 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 screams to you at that point? I mean, I know we've talked about Brazil and all like that, but man, those you you go back and you you start you start trying to talk yourself in and out of uh, out of some of these guys from the old uh, what they have done in the past from the med- you know th- those short arms, man, with Brazil and the injury history, you know, injury history and all. That. I mean, uh, not saying they won't or couldn't do it. I mean, I think they do like the kid, but. Does that screen pick me at 17 at that point? I agree. There is no name that stares you in the face that says this is the guy at 17 if that scenario unfolds. Um, you know, but you could argue. I'll be honest, because we talked about day one Jones so much, I really went back into his tape. I still need to watch more, but I just put on the Notre Dame game to see how he did against Foskey and, and those guys. I thought Jones had a really good game mm-hmm. against Notre Dame. I, I I don't know what you thought about the tape. I, I know that we've had questions about conditioning and weight in the process but i mean the tape was better than what i thought it would be yeah look i i he can move he can move people uh and he's hard he's a hard guy to get around too because mm-hmm. he's so damn that wingspan on him and if you're going to beat him you're going to it's going to be because you get you know get a hand inside side of his chest or you can uh uh make it you know have him move in one way and beat him back to the inside you know uh, uh a good pass pass rush plan against him but other than that i mean his tape does look good i i just uh once again my my deal with day one jones is i'm wondering how these this pre-draft process is treating him more than sure. anything uh now, without a doubt, you know, I, I and I said this the other day, I the Steelers, that might not even be an issue with the Steelers, for all we know. You know, in fact, they're probably thinking, man, uh, hopefully this pre-draft process, you know, kills his stock, you know, to to, oh. to, 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 to some degree, you know. You, you just gave me big Jarvis Jones vibes because that's the same thing Colbert said when Jarvis Jones ran that 4-9-5-40. They were like, good, we're glad, he, we're, gl- we're glad he fell because of that. Right. I just... There's a part of me that says this guy is ideally a thirty, a number thirty-two pick. But once again, like we talked the other day, if you like him at thirty-two, why wouldn't you take him at seventeen? You know, if you, mm-hmm. you know, if, especially uh, if you're wanting a, 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 you know, big physical tackle in this draft with long arms. Uh, he's yeah. all, he's all of that. So, uh, I mean, I suppose it could be seventeen. Yeah, I think it's on the table, but it's interesting. There is no clear, you know, last he, year. He, was, I'll say this. He should mm-hmm. be on the board at 17. Yeah, he should be there. Um, but I think last year is very clear. They're taking a quarterback. The question was who in 2021 it was. They're taking Najee Harris if he's there. That was like the 
free space on the bingo card that was the 2021 NFL draft. No first round pick in 2020, 2019. It was, will they trade up for Devin Bush? You know, that's their guy. The question was, would they do it? Of course they did. Really the last time you didn't know about who that guy could have been. I mean, last year you didn't know really what quarterback, but you knew it was a quarterback. Say 2018 was kind of the last time it was this murky in terms of what direction will they even go, uh, let alone what player will it be? It does, and it has felt for a while, though. I mean, for, for obvious reasons, the whole Joey Porter angle, you know. Yeah, that's possible. But will they continue to build this thing inside out and trench play and have that size and upgrade the offensive line? Um, that, that would be just as logical as going with Joey Porter Jr. Okay. All right, so that's the uh, pro day. Yeah, a couple more still left here on the docket, and I will check NC State to see if I can see Pat Meyer. Um, I'd be curious if he was there. That certainly would be notable. Uh, anything else, Dave, from Omar Khan? Any other Steelers news to get to? Um, uh, what, do you, what, uh, what about the what they voted on at all? Yeah, the rule changes, uh, the, the biggest change overall is you can now wear number zero. So it'll bring back Johnny Zero Clement, who was a Steeler back in the 40s, who, who wore that number. And so um, that number is eligible to to most players, uh, offensive and defensive linemen. They still can't do it, but already one player announced he will be wearing number zero. That's Jacksonville Jag- uh, Jaguars wide receiver Calvin Ridley. We'll see if a Steeler does it. Will a Steeler wear number zero this year, Dave? Man, if, I, I I tend to think that they don't like to issue those lower numbers to to players, you know, non quarterbacks or punters or kickers. Period. So, uh, if if you want to pin me down for an answer right now, I'm going to say that they, if anybody gets it, I think it would be a rookie of all people. But uh, I'm going to say there will be no zero on the roster. Yeah, I'll say the same because they've signed their free agents. I wonder if Patrick Peterson has a bit of regret. Maybe he would want zero, but now he's kind of already chosen 20. So I don't know. Maybe he just kind of hopes that rule would have been been passed a couple weeks ago uh, earlier. But yeah, I'm with you. I'll say no one wears zero this year. But I I do like that they've made that a, uh, an available number again. I like going back and watching. It, it reminds <laughs> me of the old days with even the double zeros and all like that, you know? Uh uh, I, I, you know, and I don't think that, uh, why not? You can't have a zero tech wearing a zero. Why not? <laughs> you know? I like it. I'm with you hundred percent. My favorite rule that was passed and maybe yours as well. Mm-hmm. The cut downs are gone. It's now just straight 90 to 53. So August 29th of 2023 day will be a very busy day. So there is no cut down last year was what 90 to 85 to 80. All that crap is gone and good on it. So it's just 90 to 53 that maximizes the chances for these younger guys, guys trying to make the team stick around on a practice squad, doesn't force his team in a final preseason game to worry about depth and, you know, having enough players at a position. So I love this change, Dave. I, I love it as well, too. Now, it, 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 it obviously makes for a busy final day there and uh, it eliminates all of the uh, the post in the after every preseason game of of. Yeah, I, you, I, I suppose you can still do a 53-man roster prediction every, every after every preseason game. Uh, but uh, I, I'm, 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 I've been with you on that, that side of the argument there. Uh, let these guys have every opportunity they can. And also, you just don't, you know, uh, you don't know what might happen injury-wise and all like that. And, and to give some of these guys just a, those extra whatever snaps 10 15 20 however many you can get some of these guys to get a good look at them there now what does this do for the uh for the preseason schedule at this point if you're not playing in the uh in the hall of fame game well 
you'll get almost <laughs> you'll get you'll get a lot of those back end players playing uh, the first game. Yeah, you know how. How do you rotate it from there? Probably a good look at your starters on both sides of the ball in the second game, and then back to the back into the roster again, maybe after the first quarter of the third game, right? Well, I think because there's that gap between the third preseason game and the start of the season in Week One, teams in Pittsburgh's kind of use that third game as their their tune-up game, their official tune-up game. But we'll see if that changes with a bigger roster. It's hard to tell for sure, but I think. Generally, that third game will still be a tune-up because you don't want to have the second game be your tune-up and then have this kind of really long wait between that game and the start of the regular season. Right. Uh, And what else got changed here? They tabled the hip drop tackle rule, so there's not been anything yay or nay on that that will get discussed in more detail in May. Same with the, we'll call it the Brock Purdy rule of the emergency third quarterback. That has been tabled. What else passed? Um, I know that on now failed fourth downs, it basically is an automatic booth review um, being treated as a turnover because if they turn over on downs, what else passed, Dave, that was notable? Uh, well, they're they're not doing the uh, the review. You hit on that, right? The review of the roughing the passer call? Right, right. I didn't touch on that. Yeah, so okay. that will not be reviewable? Right. Okay. Uh, and then I think those were kind of the big things. There were you know, a bunch of more minor things that were changed that I can't think of off the top of my head. But the big the big one was that number changed there with number zero now being available to players. Right. All right, Dave, that probably wraps up the news here. Let's get to let's get to some reader emails and close out today's show. Okay. I don't think we have many in here uh to to get to today overall. Let me sort real quick here. Are they going to release the Omar Khan video anytime soon or probably not tonight, huh? Doesn't look like tonight. And uh, by the way, the pens, man, Dave, come back and then get blown out in the third period. All right. uh, From Brett Nile, he said uh, he was shocked that the team did not add a nose tackle in free agency. Are you surprised uh, they did not fill that hole in free agency? And do you think they have to add a starting nose tackle in the draft? If so, if so, how high will it need to be? Look, I mean, it it, it certainly could, you know, Con said they're, they're not done yet, but also the uh, you're down down at the bottom of the barrel of that as well, too. So, you know, might they be looking at a guy like, you know, some someone more suited to play in the interior there, you know, uh, I guess sort of like maybe a Mazzy Smith or something. Yeah, it's on the table. I think nose tackle is certainly a weakness right now. I still think D-line has to be addressed with two positions, one you know, three-tech depth behind Hayward and Ogunjobi, and then a nose tackle to, to pair alongside with Montrevious Adams. So is that a, a Mazzy Smith? Is that you know your classic plugger, Siaki Ika from Baylor, Gerard Clark from Coastal Carolina? You know Those guys aren't going to have big ceilings. They don't offer the pass rush value, so you don't want to draft those guys too high. But it's still an important role, especially in an AFC North that's going to run the heck out of the football by Baltimore and Cleveland. So it'll be really interesting. Um, I'd love to get a free agent, though, just prior to the draft to kind of have something there in case you can't come away with that pick in the draft. Yeah, but anything that you get now, how much better would that be than Montrevious Adams and uh, who was the uh, the former Jets washout that they added? Jonathan. Oh, yeah, Jonathan Marshall. Yeah. That is name. That's a good point. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair point. It's not going to be a big upgrade. I mean, Ashton Robinson is still out there. That's kind of the, the one big name. I don't know what the price tag on him is. 
Um, I wouldn't I imagine. Wanna... I wouldn't imagine if they did add at this point, it wouldn't be an expensive ad. I wouldn't think. Yeah, it's probably going to be a LaRaven Clark type of deal. So fair points all around, and that can, you, you kick it to the draft and say, okay, we talking thirty two, we talking maybe pick eighty. Who that guy is going to be? Um, it's it's hard to gauge an answer there. And I guess could you know? Uh, I guess it's not dependent on how many picks. You know, if there's any willing or dealing, you know, done. You know, maybe they draft uh, a, a you know more more interior guy and a more uh, you know four eye guy. You know. Yeah, that could be. That's a great place to kind of predict the double dip if no one else is added before the draft. We'll see, but yeah, I mean, is, is it an air? Am, am I surprised they did not? I guess the core of the question is: Am I surprised they did not fill that hole in free agency? Uh yeah, no. You know, uh, they they could. We talked about. Uh, Andrew Billings maybe as being a possibility, right? And I think we threw a couple other names out in the meantime. So, uh, but once again, they aren't done yet. So maybe, maybe that'll be one of the positions that they add. Uh, but once again, anybody that you add, how much of an upgrade would it be over what, what you currently have under contract right now? So, uh, now if they, if they don't do anything and they don't get anything in a draft, it'll, uh, it'll be sure. Sure, will I'm sure will be a topic of discussion for us afterwards. Yeah, to the question, I am surprised that they didn't add anything new to the D line. I mean, they brought back Ogan Joby, okay, but nothing else to it. Um, that 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 surprises me to to a degree. All right. Uh, he also wants to know: uh, Am I right that uh, Levi Wallace, Witherspoon, Pierre, and Millette? are all free agents at the end of 2023. Yes, you'd be right there. He says, since I don't think you can write Peterson's name in pen for 2024, he says, my question is, does that make them more likely to double dip at corner, probably an outside corner high and a mid-round slot position flexible guy? He says, to me, I think this is highly likely even without expiring contracts above. Yeah, it, it you know, it, it is a possibility, especially if you pick up more picks, you know, uh, throughout this thing, uh, because you do have all those guys and look, Witherspoon might not even make, make it through the rest of the all season. He may or may not, you know, uh, I guess it depends on what you add. Right. And, uh, but I, I don't think you can sit here right now on March 28th slash March 29th and say, unequivocally that they won't double dip at corner in this draft. Yeah. Again, there's still a chance that they could do that. And there's a good reason to, to, to do that. And certainly you don't look at it just from a roster construction of this year's standpoint, but okay, two years and what are contracts are expiring after this year. And so how do we add depth before we really need it when our entire room becomes free agents? So yes, absolutely. If you're a good GM, a competent GM, you're going to look at not just this year, but also where your roster starts looking at next year to prepare and plan. So you're not, you know, caught off guard by, you know, this time next year. I wonder if there's anybody around the league that, you know, might come open after the draft or before the draft slightly before, as far as a slot guy, you know? Yeah. Or, and this is kind of really, you know, further down the road, but waiver wire cuts when you go from that 90 to 53, August 29th, you pick up somebody there. Um, Pittsburgh's done that before. And obviously you can't plan on that and bank on that, but you do wonder about maybe something that roster may shift a little bit before week one. Uh, he has another part of it being as really his is the only one. We only email we have to deal with. I'll read his third kind of part of this, uh, question here. Do you think it was the plan at the start of the off season? 
to add two guards, or do you think that these were the guys willing to take the deal the Steelers gave them, so they signed them both? Uh, I don't know if we'll ever know the answer to that. Uh, I would like to think that through sort of some of the things that they have said, that uh, they knew that they got pretty damn lucky last year. <laughs> and uh, I do think that they just wanted to ha- have a different type of player. You know, uh, they wanted some aggressive players in there uh, as well too. So uh, I think they probably looked at this draft class as Alex and I talked, you know, not too long into this thing about, man, where's the, where's the true guards at it in this class. And then, you know, come combine time, you lost one of them and, and Voorhees there. Yeah. I think they just looked at this overall and said, we, we uh, at this draft class, said, we better go to free agent route here. Yeah. I, I'm with you. Basically. I think, I, I don't know if they came into the off season saying, let's get specifically Nate Herbig and Isaac Sayamalu. I think that was probably part of, of several names on their list, but their idea was we got to improve starters. We got to improve depth. Uh, we, we got lucky on on the lack of depth last year, and we feel like our starters can and need to be upgraded. And so that was their overall plan. They go through their list of names, and it just worked out well that they got both starters and depth. Yep. Uh, now, I don't know. If maybe I would imagine that the plan was to go after both those guys. Yeah, I mean, I... I think obviously they like both those guys and their you know pre free agency evaluations. I don't know if they said specifically these are the two guys and like only the two guys that we want to go after are our top two guys. Maybe maybe to some extent, but they they had them on a short list of maybe a half dozen names of guys that we really want to try to pursue. All right, uh, we got his three parter out of the way there. I think overall there. All right, you got anything else to add uh, as we approach the the hour mark here? Uh, no, I think that's uh, about it. So anything else that comes out, we'll uh, we'll tackle on Friday. All right. Uh, and hopefully maybe by then we'll have some more details on, on, I think the only numbers that we lack right now is the gentry contract, if I'm not mistaken at this point here. So maybe we'll have a salary cap update and who knows what else. Uh, hopefully we'll have more about what Con said or whatnot uh, to talk about by then as well, too. So in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, go to SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button up right. Navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad-free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the ad-free button up right. Navigational bar. So until Friday, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. Memories should last a lifetime, but Alzheimer's disease has robbed millions of Americans of their treasured memories. If you have a family history of Alzheimer's disease or are worried about your memory, you can help by joining the NIH-funded AHEAD study. It's aimed at delaying symptoms of Alzheimer's before they appear. Visit aheadstudy.org to learn more. That's aheadstudy.org.